Stalking the cobbled streets of Big Ben City, he waits in the shadows. No, wait, that's a woman. It's She-Wolf of London. Mafia, wake up, wake up. You have created a monster and it will destroy you. That was pretty fun. Um, Yeah. So, (laughs) this is weird. (laughs) What's weird? Do we even do this episode? Where's the creature in this feature? Oh, (laughs) this is true. Well, Alex, I'm here to convince you (laughs) that She-Wolf of London is a proper universal movie uh you won't have to convince me well convince alex i was thinking about the word convince which we created last week and i think convince is just how dracula says convince i am here to convince you oh yeah that's what that's why i said it to begin with yeah i was doing a dracula impression (laughs) (laughs) didn't no one pick up on that (laughs) welcome back to the monsters vs. men podcast the bargain basement of monster podcasting airwaves this week as we try to stay alive we're discussing she wolf of london Mm -hmm. uh with me today is the uh menacing aunt alex Mm. and joining me is that creep sitting on a bench in the fog eric (laughs) who sits in the bench in the fog (laughs) pretty weird Pretty weird. <laughs> well, Alex, uh, just a quick celebration, a little pat ourselves on the back. Oh, um, really? For what? Yeah, we're. I, I maybe I just need to convince you a little bit that this podcast is is worth continuing. We have reached episode one hundred fifty proper. Ah, hundred and fifty episodes proper. Wow, that's a lot, man. That is a lot. That is that's a, lot. a lot of episodes. Man, look at us. We were like, we, we have over 100 NVM Plus episodes, isn't that right? Yeah, yeah, over 100. I mean, Man, wow. we've done a lot of podcasting. We're incredible. Let's just think <laughs> about that. Let's everybody, everybody just meditate on that in a moment of silence, starting now. Thank you. Wow, <laughs> thank you, silence. listener. Thank we you, listener, that. for your silence. Um <laughs> Uh yeah, man. We're almost we're we're running up on three years. That's which hard is to also believe. crazy. It is. I think we skipped over two years, like any sort of like recognition. Well, no, no. So I think for year two no, that was episode one hundred. Episode yeah. one hundred we tried to time with Godzilla Singularity, right? Maybe. And Single point. Single year point. two I don't know. I don't know where year two fell. Mm. Somewhere in there. Man, we are we're we're closing in on year three. Yeah, that's the thing when you when you get this old in podcast years, it's like every every year in podcast years is ten years. You know, we're getting <laughs> up there already. We're already starting to forget things in our thirties. Well, you know, honestly though, the reason I bring that up um, is not to convince you that our podcast <laughs> is the greatest, but it's yes. really just to um, convince our audience that we love them. Uh, and we honestly, seriously appreciate you for listening. Because uh, honestly, it's a commitment. If you've been a listener from the beginning, oh my gosh, 
and you stuck with us through Universal. Oh my goodness, gosh, yeah. <laughs> you are awesome! Right? And you stuck with us with through Toho and space. Oh my goodness, oh goodness, my. goodness! goodness. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like you. Thank you for listening. And if you didn't stick with us all the way, what's wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Well, you're a sick individual. Terrible. You just came on for a couple episodes. What? What the heck? No, yeah. seriously though. <laughs> any any episodes that you have come on and listened to um, for the the you know few people that listen to this episode, thank you. Absolutely, thank you all. But if you haven't stuck around for the whole thing, just go ahead. I'll show you the door. I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> uh, well, let's open the door on She Wolf of London, Alex. Ooh, shall we? She Wolf of London. Ow. <laughs> The She-Wolf of London takes a different spin on the Universal Horror series by leaning hard into its mystery angle. Not only that, but we get fully realized women characters that carry the film. Mm -hmm. But do these new elements bring a charm, or does the She-Wolf cause more harm? Mm. I mean, for this, the mystery is the thing that kept me hooked in this film. You know, I, I was worried early on, before the movie even started, that this was going to be a lackluster monster movie with a typical romance. You're a misogynist. Alex. A rehashed. What? What? All the all the werewolf movies have romances. What are you talking about? <laughs> and a rehashed, tortured character who turns into a wolf. But this movie runs its mystery the entirety of its runtime. Mm-hmm. This is a remarkably bold choice for a film that is. Selling itself on, you know, a creature feature. Namely, the creature portion of that feature. And yeah. also, this film has no creature. I was so <laughs> impressed by many of the decisions in this film. And I was so I was pleasantly surprised by the, the finale of this movie. It felt earned and believable in many ways. You know, what about you, Eric, though? Like, mm. was the mystery great? Or did you want to tell this movie, goodbye, mate? <laughs> uh, yeah, this is the she wolf of London, Alex, not the she wolf of Australia. Okay, uh, <laughs> I don't know how women talk. I've never talked to one. <laughs> <laughs> the mystery angle. I'll just echo you. It makes the film for me. Um, we genuinely don't know exactly what's going on until closer to the end of the film, and it makes so much difference. I was invested in what was actually going to happen plot wise which yeah isn't what normally invests me in these films so yeah i mean that was awesome the other thing that really stood out to me one of the first things that stood out to me was that this is a film about becoming a woman alex it's uh -huh. pixar's turning red before turning red and with a bit more implied violence obviously there's there's more to the film than that but you've got lines like, it's blood, and it's finally happened. I knew it would happen. And I feel unclean, which is like a biblical reference, right? <laughs> you get a pretty horrifying portrait of what it means to become a woman in Victorian society. That allegorical level just adds to what already is a fascinating plot with interesting characters and a real bad guy or bad gal. Yeah. Yeah, and that, that bad, I mean, I didn't think about a lot of those elements. That's, that's really cool. But as for this bad gal, 
Man, this this one's got a really cool one. Mm-hmm. Aunt Martha, devious woman. <laughs> she oh, yeah. is everywhere, all at once. Mm-hmm. You know, her ear is always to the ground inside her house. Nothing happens there that she is not present and voicing an opinion about. Mm-hmm. It's really cool early in the film when she's bouncing between the the two girls, jumping into their lives. Oh yeah, and just like you know, in short, like if you're if you're going to a school dance, this is not the person you want chaperoning you, <laughs> unless of course you're a parent. Then this is who yeah. you call up. Um, <laughs> she she sells her care for Phyllis pretty well, even. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the only clues that maybe something is off is well, she ignores Phyllis's concerns despite the evidence. Right? Mm-hmm. She's more worried about. Phyllis, she's got staying in bed. Don't go out. And she kind of ignores the muddy shoes and all this stuff that she blatantly shows her. Mm -hmm. And her need to keep Phyllis from doing things out of the spotlight. She just doesn't want anyone to see her. She wants to take care of her. Yes, she lies to Barry frequently. But I think some people could chalk that up to, um, you know, just getting him to go away. Yeah. But by the end... It's this unusual protectiveness of everything around her that really raised my suspicions. You know, now thinking that this was a creature feature, I had predicted that she was the werewolf and was using Phyllis as like a scapegoat. Mm-hmm. But boy, was I pleasantly surprised when she slips Phyllis that old glass of milk and she's just a homicidal maniac. Yeah. <laughs> With yeah. like the most extreme plan. To avoid moving <laughs> that you've ever seen. Like, yeah, I can't blame her. Moving sucks, right? But yeah. this is like going to another degree. And I, I just I was I was floored with the decision to not make her a monster. I yeah. mean she was, but not in a literal sense like I was expecting. So mm-hmm. very cool. Yeah, very absolutely. cool. How'd you feel? No, uh, I'm with you. I thought it was very cool that they didn't make her a monster. Uh yeah. Uh she is a major element of this film. She has, she has motivation for her actions. Um, and the pieces really do click together, but going back to kind of Phyllis and her character, this, this is a film about how to handle relationship and how to deal with shame. This is also a film that's got gaslighting and what gaslighting means in it. Mm -hmm. We've got murder of a character that I genuinely liked in detective Latham. Um, but here's the thing that it does so well. She Wolf of London does this so well. It plays on its audience expectations. At this point, we know Lon Chaney's role as the Wolfman and what he brings to the role. We know the legend, and I'm not talking about Lon Chaney's mustache. I know the legend <laughs> of the werewolf and how it works. Even the title of the movie throws us off a little. Um, but you're right. It's, it's such a bold choice not to have an actual monster here. Uh, and going back to that mystery element, that really had me hanging for a majority of the film. There's just these little shots of characters that make you doubt your assumptions. Like, I, I pretty much knew it was going to be Aunt Martha, but there were a couple things I'm like, maybe, like, what exactly is her role here? Could it potentially be her daughter and she's protecting her daughter? Like, because mm-hmm. like, her daughter's the werewolf. Like, what, what's exactly happening here? 
I do wish one reaction shot had been removed from earlier on in the film, and that is Aunt Martha's reaction to Phyllis's reaction when she hears about the boy that's been killed. Aunt Martha just looks a little too pleased, and that let me know a little too early what the potential solution yeah. to our mystery was. It just showed me that she was not quite sincere in her motives towards Phyllis, right? Now, did, now did you think that she was a werewolf and not a... Uh... I did. The, huh? the part where I was like, eh, she might not be a werewolf is when um, she, we saw the the weapon in Phyllis's room. Uh, oh, right. I was like, oh, yeah, that could be used as a claw. You know, now I'm not sure how <laughs> I'm not sure how Aunt Martha can make those werewolf noises the way she did. Uh, <laughs> but she was she she's can be pretty scary, apparently, when she's got that spade. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> uh, no. Um, yeah, it was it was interesting. You know, I liked so expectations. The other expectation that you have is the dog barking at Phyllis at the beginning um, because the dog for whatever reason feels maybe, and maybe aunt Martha has trained the dog to not like Could Phyllis, uh, you know, like it's interesting. You don't quite know why, but it's, again, it's just playing with our expectations as an audience that kind of knows the, the werewolf lore. Right. Right. I mean, that's a, a really good point. It's really the committal to not having a creature that just, it just floors me. You know, the, the setup, that you're talking about, it's not just there, right? Uh-huh. It's the title. It's the <laughs> opening description yeah. of what had happened in Werewolf of London. Yeah. On top of the inspector selling us on this was a werewolf, right? Like, like he keeps saying it, but no one believes him. And you're sitting there thinking, like, no, it is. And it's not. The inspector was wrong. Like these moments are really cool. They're just perfect ways to subvert our expectations in the very best of ways. This is not a less last Jedi subverting of expectations. This is the right way to do it. And I also <laughs> I feel that the stakes here are perfect for a film with, and, and the film has like no action in it. Right. But it's paced perfectly. The stakes feel like this isn't a huge deal. It's just very personal for this one character. And when this movie turns the gas on at the end, it is just so earned in every way. The film just comes together beautifully. And I have to give it like it's roses because it's earned all of them. I'm just, I am so floored by the ending of this movie and how captivated I was, like you said, by that mystery, because you know, for us, you and me are probably thinking there's not much of a mystery when we're starting yeah. this movie, right? right? And we think it's going to be spoiled because, frankly, some of these movies have half-assed their their mysteries, right? Mm-hmm. And they, 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 they're revealed soon, and they, they just never were mysteries. Man, knocked it out of the park. I'm just yeah. so happy with how they handled it. <laughs> Every time you mentioned the last Jedi, Alex, we get a new one star review on <laughs> iTunes, but you have convinced me about the pacing. Uh, great point. It, it yeah. does just keep moving and it keeps throwing in little twists and turns that keep you engaged throughout. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the ending is a bit quick once again. Yeah, uh, it is. But, but 
I don't mind it too much because I love the fact that the men don't save the day. Our hero turns out to be none other than housekeeper Hannah, which you've got to love because yes. she was always the sweetest, right? She was the sweetest throughout. She was um, awesome. And always knew that Aunt Martha had something wrong with her. Uh, she's like, keep an eye on that, Aunt Martha. And she was right. So uh, here's to you, housekeeper Hannah. Yeah, you're the real queen of this movie. <laughs> this week on MVM Plus, before we get to our awards, we've got another two weeks in a row, Alex. Oh. Marvel versus yes. men. Uh, you've convinced me. I'm seeing Thor, Love and Thunder, uh, and I am sure it's going to be an interesting discussion. I haven't seen it yet, so it'll be curious if it will be a debate or if we will come to a consensus. Because all I see right now is split opinions about this film. So I, I'm looking forward to uh, discussing Thor Love and Thunder with you. That's over at patreon.com forward slash MVM pod. You can listen to that episode. Uh, listen to all of our episodes. As we said, we have over 100 MVM plus episodes. Some good, some not so good. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but either way, you can support us and help us out. Become a bargain base mite over at patreon.com forward slash MVM pod. And you may never even listen to MVM plus. And that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Uh, let's get into our staple awards. Uh, compelling character award. I've been trying to convince my mom to be a, a bargain base mite, but she's just not buying it, by the way, Alex. Oh, well. It's a big know. commitment. I don't ever want to talk to her again. That's how I feel about it. <laughs> it's just it's just a big commitment. My sister my sister became a bargain base mite. She did? Yeah. Yeah, she became a bargain base mite. That's awesome. I didn't yeah. know that. That was pretty it was pretty, I was I was like, hey, thanks. That was nice. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I need to sell my family on. I'm going to a funeral tomorrow, so I'll try to sell them all on it. Yeah, man. Just just get up in the middle of it and make yeah. sure you do a little Marvel versus men, uh Marketing. Uh, no. Um, so, yeah, as for my compelling character award, uh, mine goes to Carol. She initially feels like I, I know she's got this other love interest, right? And mm-hmm. we know Martha does, isn't about it. But it does feel like she's almost going to be, you know, the other woman yeah. um, for a little bit when she rides off with Barry. But in actuality, she is just as caring as anybody else in this film. Yeah. She she lo- she loves um what's her name? She loves Phyllis? Yeah, Phyllis. Phyllis. Golly. Phyllis, I, I that that name throws me off. Well, every um, time I hear the name, I want to say, "Oh, Phyllis, that is pungent." <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um uh, which would have been a good line. Um, when Aunt Martha walked in and there was blood all over the place. Yeah, that that would have been great. That that was the time to do it. Yeah, for sure. Um, But uh, their whole relationship was really interesting to me. And just Carol, like, she just surprised me with how nice she was and how involved in the film she was. She felt like a side character who wasn't really going to matter. But at the end of the day, her genuine nature really, like, shone to me. And uh, I just I was all in on 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 uh, Carol. Well, she had one of my favorite lines. It's not my most memorable line, but uh, she says to Phyllis something along the lines of, "Quote, uh, 
you you've you surely you've noticed that I have broad shoulders. Oh yeah. And I'm like, where's she going with this? <laughs> <laughs> I like that. But her point was, her point was, and then of course she says uh, at the end, she says, yeah, uh, Barry has broad shoulders too, right? But yes. her point isn't that she physically has broad shoulders, uh, which was making me confused at, at first. It's that um, she's able to listen. That's why I said right. this film is a lot like there is that element of um, womanhood and shame and needing to talk to somebody. Like if you could talk to somebody and eventually Phyllis does um, in, in a way, if you can can help have another person help you with your burden, um, that's going to help you a lot. You have to be able to share that burden with somebody else. Um, and really it was Carol who introduced that idea. So she's great. Yeah. Yeah. The one thing I liked about this film, we didn't really talk about this was they handled their dialogue really well. Mm. Um, and they sell you on characters very quickly. Um, they sold me on the Phyllis Barry relationship almost instantly. Oh yeah. When they're joking and laughing and the little all horse stuff, scene, the, horse, the horse racing. Scene. I'm in yeah. man. I'm in. <laughs> You're like, hey, that was that. That reminds me of me and Cece. Yeah, I was like, I remember when we raced, and she was like, oh, "I'll marry you next week." <laughs> uh, I remember that. I was like, "Hey, Alex, maybe a week is a little fast." And you were like, "No, I beat her in that horse race, and we're getting married next week." And I was like, "All right, I'll be there." <laughs> exactly. Exactly. What about your most compelling character award? My most compelling character is Aunt Martha. Uh, because she does interest me. Uh, she's she's oh, the one that I'm really? always kind of trying to figure out uh, <laughs> what's her angle. Because you, you know she has an angle from the beginning, but you're trying to figure out specifically. I, th- I still think it could have been an interesting twist if Carol had some unknown involvement in the whole thing and Aunt Martha was protecting her. Um, that, that could have been interesting, I, I think. Uh, yeah. And that was a reason, another reason she was protecting her from going out at night. Um, that could have been cool uh, and kind of frame it on Phyllis so that she could protect her daughter and take over the estate. Though I will say just what we have is, is still interesting in itself. And as I said, it would be a different, it would be a different movie if it had a creature. I like that it subverts our expectations in that way. But Martha, she's, she's really compelling. Absolutely. What about your most memorable line award, Eric? Uh, so this line is from Latham who I said, I liked, I was surprised when he was murdered because I really liked Latham. He was just this funny little character, um, jolly little character who just believed from the beginning that it was werewolves. Uh, but I just, I was, I bought into this character when he was, he was talking to another, uh, officer and he says, you know, when I was courting my missus, we used to go horseback riding. Yeah. Then we got married and she refused to go on a horse from that moment on. <laughs> she only pretended to like riding until she got me well hooked. <laughs> and so he has this little story. The officer could care less. He does not uh, care. Oh, one bit. But that is exactly what happened to you, Alex. Uh, if I remember correctly, after that, you know, week of horseback riding and marriage proposal, yeah, Cece hasn't been on a horse since she got you well hooked, man. I know, not since. I don't know mm. what the deal is, but I don't know. I'm not been interested since. I guess. <laughs> uh, what about you? Most memorable line award? Uh, for me, 
I'm going to have to give it to Phyllis. <laughs> she, I guess this is the only point of the film. I'm like, what's happening? Um, Phyllis goes to Carol and gets her to call the police. At least Carol says that she's going to call the police. Or, oh, no, is it Carol that calls the police? Uh, no, it's uh, Hannah. Hannah calls the police. Yes, that's yeah. right. So she gets Hannah to call the police. And I would have thought that Carol or that Phyllis knew what was going on and that she was suspicious of Martha, but I guess not because she very quickly afterwards gets a, is given a very big glass of milk and is very weirdly told to keep drinking all of it. Uh, and then as she starts to pass out, she says, I feel terribly sleepy. As if I've been drugged. <laughs> it's like, oh yeah, no. Okay, <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> like, like uh, I don't know what happened to her awareness in this scene, but she's also comes off as incredibly naive. Yeah, and and also just com- confused, right? Like she hasn't been sleeping and all that, but still, you would think if she was the one that put together that maybe Aunt Martha's doing something to her, um. Maybe she would have been a little more suspicious, but yeah. Either yeah. way, that line's pretty funny. Well, I'll I'll transition to my can't believe the acting award from that line, and I'll say overall, I still liked June Lockhart's performance um, as Phyllis. You needed somebody there that did have a bit of that naivety, um, and she did. Right, she she brought that. Uh, she had a range that she meant to convey. Some of it was better than others. Um, yeah. But I, I wasn't taken aback by her performance, um, even if at times there were a couple uh, almost over-the-top moments. Her character needed to be slightly dramatic in order to buy that she bought into the fact that she could be a werewolf, right? Because that's right. a dramatic conclusion to reach. Um, but you you know that she has to be a bit dramatic in order to reach that conclusion. And so she does a good job at, at playing that part. Agreed. What about you? Uh, I got to give mine to... I can't believe it's going to be for Sarah Hayden as Aunt Martha. Yeah, yeah. She's just so good. Just just a conniving little thing. <laughs> and when she's talking, when she's doing her little monologue about what she's been doing this whole time, yeah, it's pretty good. <laughs> it's a really good monologue. And she when she just casually talks about killing the boy... Remember, she just completely dismembers. Oh, right. It's super unsettling. Mm. Because, I mean, they even comment earlier in the movie that they they didn't think someone like Phyllis would be able to to rip someone apart like that. Yeah, yeah. And it turns out it's Martha all along. Mm. That is kind of creepy, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, yeah, if you start thinking about it, it's even worse. (laughs) Right? Yeah, it's bad. Yeah. And she's just so... It's just so, like, uh, matter of fact, I'm going to kill you now. Yes. Yeah. yeah that, good. that performance is so good. Uh, <laughs> what about your, oh, that's a good shot? Um, there's a shot a while Carol's side, uh, it's not a side piece, it's her main piece, main squeeze. <laughs> He's sitting on the bench in thick fog. I'm a sucker for some of these kind of semi-overhead shots. Mm. And he's just sitting there, and it's such a thick fog. I am baffled by how they got so much in there. It was awesome. 
It's um, a staple of, of the Wolf movies. Yeah, it is. And they really set the mood very effectively um, in this scene. And then there's also a shot immediately afterwards where uh, he's sneaking up on her or mm-hmm. on him. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it's a really cool. It's actually a really cool shot, too. That is. That is. Yeah. Uh, my Oh, that's a good shot. Goes to a moment that you mentioned when she's doing her monologue. Uh, Aunt Martha is doing uh, has her monologue towards towards Phyllis, and it's just a simple shot of Martha as she lingers over Phyllis's bed with the knife. It's pretty menacing, and it's made even more menacing by just how the camera slightly tilts. Um, yeah, it's not framed perfectly; it's just a little off kilter, which is a staple um, in horror films, but works so well because. In this case, it's not a dramatic tilt at all, but we haven't had that in this film so far. And so we feel the small tilt because we've been steady pretty much throughout. Yeah, that actually leads into my my unique award, the okay. Oh, It's Going Down Award. And it's right when that tilt starts to happen, nice. right? Oh, yeah, That's nice. when every, when things become unhinged and mm-hmm. almost surreal. And it's just such a cool moment when you just suddenly get that tilted camera that's just off. Yeah. It's perfect. Well, it says something, too, about how if you withhold some of that flashy camera work. Um, in our MVM Plus last week, we talked about uh, Doctor Strange and Multiverse of Madness. Yeah. There's a lot of that type of thing in there, right? Yeah. Uh, lots of ang- angles or lots of cameras at weird angles cameras upside down and reverting and but here it's because we have the withholding of that fancy camera work that makes the slight change in camera work work uh yeah it it really makes it effective so that's a good one um my unique award is the unlikely hero award and that goes to housekeeper hannah who we already mentioned Gotta love Housekeeper Hannah, who yeah. knew from the start. She was, she was great. great. And again, another character that they execute her dialogue perfectly. Uh-huh. And her yeah. character perfectly in the limited time that she's in the movie. Yeah. There was one moment I was like, wait, is she involved? <laughs> um, I just I had some doubts because this film was able to throw in those doubts, uh, which was really impressive. Uh, but no, she was just the hero. Uh, so I can appreciate hero Hannah. Yeah. All right, man. Final thoughts and tiered rating. What do you think about She-Wolf of London? She-Wolf of London is just a wonderful, wonderful surprise. I did not think we had anything left in the tank with this series. And here we are with the best wolf movie uh, so far. Mm. I I, I love this movie. This this caught me off guard like... um, Dracula's daughter did. Mm. And so I, I, from the character work to just a little bit of use of the sets and that little, that little grove that she, we, she wheels and deals in. And, um, just the mystery that pervades until the final moments of this movie. And then the villain is just so good. Like, there's a lot to love here and almost nothing for me to complain about. I mean, it is minimal. So mm-hmm. this is a Godzilla tier. I'm so glad we got some of these left uh, yeah. after, <laughs> in, in this series. Nice. 
Yeah, I was thinking about where I'm going to put this film and listening to you talk there. And honestly, I, I don't have too many complaints uh, about this film. Uh, it might reveal a few of its mysteries a bit too early, but then it still made me had some doubts as the film progressed. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also should mention that, man, these Universal Blu-rays that we have really look great. They uh, really do, dude. Like, I was just thinking about in the last couple films, like, man, these things, as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, I had to watch one film on uh, on a phone. I was traveling, and it was awful. I was like, this is this just can't compete. So I imagine watching with this quality on a big screen would be really cool. Um, yeah, because it's just, it looks beautiful. It's beautiful to look at. Uh, you got to love it. And, and these Blu-rays look awesome. So mm-hmm. but that's a little bit beside the point. <laughs> this, I'll, I'll put it as a, uh, lower tier Godzilla film for me. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, I think it just reaches that because I don't think it's, uh, it, it does have some allegorical stuff that I find really interesting too, that like, uh, I only touched on, but beyond that, it's just got an interesting plot, interesting characters. It is, um, really focused on the women of the story. Uh, the guys don't have much to do and that's, that's a, a, a nice change of pace for our universal series. So, I really appreciated it. Uh, you know, it this film and Dracula's Daughter, both of those, I think, are are Godzilla tier films, and uh, really they they focus in on on the women, and, and I appreciate that. Um, I wish more of our Universal films did that instead of just having them like shoehorned in as as a romance piece, you know, yeah. <laughs> that we don't need um, here. The romance plays a part in the story. Um, right from the beginning. And so, so I like that. Yeah, man. Mm. Just cool. Glad to have this one next What's week. Next? Abbott and Costello meet oh. Frankenstein. Our first Abbott and Costello. Yeah. Oh. So we've got th- three Abbott and Costello movies left, Alex. Okay. And we've got three creature movies, creature from the black lagoon movies. That's all we have. Wow. I can't believe we're almost done. Yeah. Oh, Crazy. Kind of sad. Crazy. So, they meet Frankenstein, Abbott and Costello. Yeah. I wonder if we're going to feel a little mellow or is this film going to be shaky like Jello? Ooh. Th- that was off the top of my head. That was so infinitely better than last week. Yeah, it was. Oh, man. Uh, whew, you use Costello. Uh, I can't. Abbott. No, uh, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein with Abbott and Costello. Are we going to be watching a comedy, a dramedy, or sodomy? <laughs> you took it there, but we'll end it there. <laughs> As always, thanks for listening to Monsters vs. Men. <laughs> Leave us feedback on <laughs> this episode, She Wolf of London at mvmpod.com or email us at mvmpod at gmail.com and we'll read your feedback on the show. You can also follow us and message us on Twitter and Instagram at mvm underscore pod. Become a bargain base mite at patreon.com forward slash mvmpod to receive weekly bonus content, including special reviews, interviews, and host chats. And if you can't join at this time, a review or a share always helps. Monsters vs. Men is produced by Alex Cornette. Executive producers are Faye Basier, John Freeman, and Michael Herndon. Special thanks to our wives, comma, rock band for PlayStation 3, which forms cell block B, Louis Loops, Senior Honda, Drew the Collector, our Instagram connector, 
and you, the listener, for listening. Until next time, don't let your co-host finish your rhymes. And try <laughs> to stay alive. I think I'm going to have to convince you to edit that part out, Alex. <laughs> yeah, Thank you. Wake up. <laughs> you have created a monster and it will destroy you. incredible let's just think about that let's everybody everybody just meditate on that in a moment of silence starting now